0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, the MVP, sophomore, studs, and rookie of the year. We're diving into Vikings superlatives. Plus, we vote on our third member of our Vikings, Mount Rushmore. It's all coming up next on today's Throwback Tuesday edition of the Football Party. Locked
1: On Sports Minnesota Podcast.
0: Back in the lab. What is up? Another edition. Football party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Network. Daily breakdown. Everything Minnesota Vikings. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. At Sam Ekstrom. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, it's the summer abyss, as you like to say. So, today I want to get into some fun stuff. Hand out some way too early 2023 awards for some Vikings superlatives. And then later... It's week three throwback Tuesday, which means Mm -hmm. we got to come together and vote on our third member of the Vikings Mount Rushmore. After that, we're going to let the people decide up on the locked on YouTube community page. That'll be the fourth and final member later next week. What do you think? Think we'll be able to join forces today. Come to an agreement and just keep things cordial. I know you can get really fired up during some of these debates.
1: Yeah, you know me. I'm just uh, I'm a boiling pot ready to steam over and spill everywhere. Um, I, I think that it's, it's always easy until you get to the fourth spot, right? Because there's always room for one more until you're on the last spot. So I think that we'll get through this today um and we'll survive but next week is going to get intense
0: there is a laundry list of vikings hall of famers to choose from and i mean yeah maybe the first two maybe three are a little bit easier but down to that final spot it's going to be tricky and i am so curious so excited to see what the fans the listeners at home end up voting for of course alan page randy moss Those were the first two presidents sitting up there. Super curious, again, to see who these final two spots end up being. Uh, First things first here, Sam. Quick reminder, don't forget this episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Sam. Let's get into some fun ones, some Viking superlatives. I've got 15 different topics for us to rifle through. I think we each give a quick 30 seconds, right? 30 to 60 seconds on each Plead our case. How does that sound?
1: Yeah, sounds good. Let's let's go rapid fire. Are we talking uh, predictions for the upcoming year? This is all organic for me. I'm reacting to what I'm hearing for the first time.
0: You have no prep. I sent you no show notes prior, not only for superlatives, but also for our throwback Tuesday in Mount Rushmore. You're going to wing this one like you always do so well. Let's start off with the biggest softball of the bunch, work our way down to some more difficult ones. First one up, offensive MVP, Sam, I know it's a real head scratcher who you got.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely gotta be Jefferson. Um, I, I am trying to think of a contrarian argument. Um, and you know, the path to someone else being the, uh, the offensive MVPs, probably if JJ, uh, you know, takes a step back to like 1300, 1400 yards. If there was another thousand yard receiver, who had something like 12 touchdowns. I think I could make the case for them, but uh, Jefferson's got to be my default.
0: Yeah, and we know this MVP award typically buys towards quarterbacks. I would say if Cousins had any mobility at all, if he was a threat at all with his legs, could rack up even three, 400 yards, maybe a handful of touchdowns on the ground. I suppose a case could be made, but that's obviously not the case. And that would mean Kirk would basically have to have an elite type of statistical season to leapfrog what we expect Justin Jefferson to do. What we saw KOC draw up and scheme open for Justin Jefferson, for as much hype as there was, I really thought there would be far more dry spells where teams just found a way to isolate him and contain him far more than they did. But... Massive props to KOC. He impressed the heck out of me. The way he was able to just drop different looks and designs to get him the ball consistently. A la little Randy Ratio from the Mike Tice days. But this time it actually worked. 184 targets. That's 11 targets every game. For 17 games, 128 receptions, over 1,800 yards. Those aren't just Vikings offensive MVP numbers. Those are flirting with NFL offensive MVP numbers. And I'm not betting against them again. I think KOC will find a way to replicate that and do it again in 2023. And what's scary, J.J. only scored eight touchdowns. People forget that. So those numbers could be even better next season, which is wild to think about. Who you got for the defensive MVP, Sam? Who you got?
1: Yeah again so many stars gone Daniel Hunter not a guarantee Marcus Davenport I don't think a guarantee to put up big numbers the secondary you don't trust who is it going to be I I honestly have some uh have some pause uh so I go to a tried and true Harrison Smith who last year had five picks, kind of got back on the interception train and is now going to be utilized in a more, I think, comfortable way for him where he's doing what Harrison Smith does. He's roving around the box, probably going to blitz more, probably going to get more TFLs, uh, and still definitely a candidate to make some interceptions. So with without a lot of great options, I'd go with Harry the Hitman.
0: Yeah, I think to win an award on the defensive side of the ball, you got to put up good stats, right? And the positions that always put up the most stats – linebackers pass rushers and safeties those are the guys that tally a little bit of everything they get the tackles they get the tackles for loss they get the sacks force fumbles fumble recovers and interceptions and I mean I would think long and hard about Daniil Hunter if he's still on the team but I think under this new Flores system you're right Harrison Smith gonna absolutely thrive last year in Miami Brian Flores dialed up 200 safety blitzes, by far the most in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I for one think Harry's still got plenty of gas left in the tank to be that game wrecker, that playmaker that we're all used to seeing. He's going to rack up the tackles, tackles for lock, notch a few sacks, I'm sure, along the way. He always gets his hands on a couple footballs throughout the season too. That will be enough, I think, to win the defensive MVP for the Vikings, in my opinion. And again, I'm just awfully excited to see this new marriage between Brian Flores, such a great defensive mind, and Harris. Smith because with so many young guys starting now I got to imagine Flores is really gonna have to rely on a veteran leader like Harry who knows the game inside and out next one up Sam who will be the offensive sophomore stud remember the Vikings had 10 draft picks last year five offense five defense complete 50-50 split your offensive candidates are Ed Ingram Jalen Naylor Vidarian Lowe Ty Chandler and Nick Muse, the seventh round tight end. Sophomore stud on the offensive side of the ball. Sam, who you got?
1: Yeah, tough not to say Chandler here. Uh yeah. Chandler's probably going to be, I think, eventually your RB2, even though Kenny's maybe been outrepping him so far. I think Chandler is is going to threaten, and I even said this on yesterday's show, he may threaten to take the bulk of Madison's carries um before next year is over like I think in this two-year deal for Madison we could slowly see one of these younger guys start to take his place I think it could be Chandler loved what I saw from him last preseason I think that he's the guy
0: Uh, I will say Ed Ingram he's got a lot of pressure on him this year clearly the guy in year two has a lot to prove he plays next to Garrett Bradbury who I think with Bradbury what we've learned by now is He can't be left alone in a lot of one-on-one situations, especially in the run game. He's just, he's not that type of blocker. He's not that type of offensive lineman. So Ingram needs to take that big leap this year. And I think he can. Everything we saw, he's got the size, strength, power, be that road grader in the run game. So I am keeping a close eye on Ed Ingram. Having said that, I'm with you again. I still think Ty Chandler has a far bigger role in this offense than people realize right now. He was the guy handpicked by KOC in the fifth round last year, despite having three capable guys already on the roster. That speaks big volumes to me. And we haven't even really gotten a real taste of just how fast, just how explosive this guy is. But if you go back and watch the North Carolina tape, This dude's got some juice. And I know King Kane. he's the burner on the team, but I'm telling you, Ty Chandler isn't far behind as far as being a big splash playmaker. And I think what separates him is how active he's going to be in the passing game as well. Okay, flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Who's the defensive sophomore stud? A little stiffer competition here. Louis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., Asamoah, Asese in the trenches, and then a Caleb Evans, who as of now, pencil him as a, a starting boundary cornerback.
1: Yeah, I, I think that Asamoah is the leader in the clubhouse for me, but Evans is very close behind. It's too bad that Scene has kind of gotten left in the dust a little bit in that battle to yeah. be the a starting safety or even a third safety. It seems like he's the, the fourth safety right now. So Asamoa showed me the most last year. Evans dealt with injuries. I think Evans could eventually emerge and be a more important player because he's at a more key position than Asamoah, but just pure talent alone, I go Asamoah.
0: I'm with you. I always start with who's projected the most playing time. That's where you start, right? That's the foundation. Right now, it's Evans and Asamoah. Those are your two starters. Clear cut anyways. We don't know the roles for Lewisine and Andrew Booth, what that looks like yet, so... Of Evans and Asamoah, I mean, you're right. Just when it comes to stats alone, I think a linebacker is going to end up compiling far more stats throughout an entire season than a quarterback. So give me Asamoah. Another guy I'm just super excited to see fly around in this Flores defense. Brian Asamoah, a lot of hype coming into last year as a rookie from Oklahoma. I think it would take not just Evans cementing his spot as one of the top two corners to make a push at this, but also being a legitimate shut down cover corner guy too. Like it's one thing to just win the job by default because there's so many young, inexperienced players. It's totally different to go out there and just ball out. If I was a betting man, I'd rather bet on Brian Osamoa, Just given the injury scares Evans has already faced that worry me quite a bit, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one up. New captain in command. Okay. So many key veteran departures. This team needs a new leader or two to step up into that veteran captain
1: role. Who you got? So I think that TJ Hawkinson could could be a guy. Um, I you know, if you've seen the VEN productions like with the golf outings the Vikings do, or any other kind of mic'd up stuff. Hawkinson is is actually a pretty vocal guy. Um, I think that he's got a lot of respect, and I think that he's kind of got that—I um, don't know—Midwestern blue-collar mentality that kind of pairs well with like football leadership. So I'd go with Hawkinson as someone to kind of step up now that he's in his full first full off season with the team, and uh, where that C this year.
0: Yeah, I think just given what he did on the fly coming in halfway through the season, just based off everything we know about him as a player and as a teammate, I'm with you. Once again, great minds think alike. I think Hawkinson is the next guy in line to earn some leadership stripes here in the not-so-distant future. And I know he's only entering year five, and that's still maybe a little young for a captain badge. But you got to remember how young this team is right now, just littered with first and second year players. So a guy in his fifth year, like Hawkinson, I think will be a guy a lot of teammates look up to when it comes to how to be a professional on and off the field already proven how reliable and dependable he can be on the field in big pressure moments when they needed someone outside of Justin Jefferson, they could lean on my prediction is they'll get a deal done with him sooner than later. And he becomes a staple on this roster for the next five, six years, Quickly becomes a new veteran leader and team captain in the not-so-distant future. T.J. Hawkinson, by the way, you could argue Quasey's best move thus far as a GM. Uh, next one up, biggest hidden gem. Last year, it was Duke Shelley. So think Duke Shelley. He came off the streets, lit it up, became a guy they could count on. Who's the biggest hidden gem currently on the roster as it stands today? I know this one's a little tough. Mm -hmm. Duke Shelley came up off the streets. Tough to predict a situation like that. But as the roster stands now.
1: Yeah, my mind drifts to the secondary where you're going to need some guys to step up. Um, Josh Metellus, maybe he's not hidden anymore because we kind of see already that, okay, this guy's going to be part of it. I'm also thinking Jawan Williams. Um, kind of a, a cornerback that was flew under the radar, signed late in free agency, not super heralded, but he gives you something at that position you don't have a lot of, which is size and physicality. He's like 6'3", 215. He's a huge cornerback, and he comes from that New England system where he probably got pretty good coaching. Uh, I would like to to see that play out. Because I don't think that you can say emphatically that Andrew Booth um, or Makai Blackman are definitely going to win jobs over a veteran like Jawan Williams. So let's see what Williams can do in training camp and maybe do something sneaky cool. Are you looking at my notes right now? What's going on?
0: We're, we're like six for six right now, <laughs> matching up. I, I totally agree with you. This is a position in total flux right now. Just given how young this group is, Byron Murphy's the oldest dude out there. He's only 25. I think Flores is really going to appreciate. He's going to lean on guys who at least have a few years of experience like Williams. And the other big thing, we know Flores loves to run the cover one, the cover zero looks. And that means he needs corners who can man up one-on-one most of the game. And when I hear that, I think, okay, who's the best pure man cover corner right now in that group? And just given how small a guy is like Makai Blackman, the rookie, given how banged up a guy like Andrew Booth has been, I really think Joan Williams is going to be asked to be in the rotation a lot more than people think because he's got the experience and more importantly, He's got that size that you just mentioned to match up more naturally as a man cover corner when Flores dials up those blitzes. So I know he's not even a guarantee to make the roster as of yet, but I think they'll have to make room for him because they just need as much help at that position as humanly possible for the long gauntlet of a 17-game season. Juwan Williams, my hidden gem as well. Next one up, biggest Swiss Army knife, most versatile, right? Could be offense or defense. Who you got?
1: Hmm, I might go Metellus for this one. I think Metellus is going to be that wild card on the defensive side of the ball. Box, nickel, safety, multiple positions. Uh, Metellus is my answer.
0: Yeah, just to switch it up, I'll say Harrison Smith, biggest Swiss Army knife on the roster. Either side of the ball, doesn't matter. Whole career, he's proven he can do it all. Center fielder as a deep safety in the box as a strong safety and run support. He's been one of the best blitzing safeties in the NFL the past decade. And I pray at night we see Flores use him as a linebacker here and there this season. Because not only do I think he can do it, I think he'd be really good at it too. What more can he ask for from one player than that? Harrison Smith, big things coming for the hitman in 2023. Vault me on that. Next one up. Special teams demon could be either side of the ball, kick returner, punt returner, gunner, you name it. Who you got?
1: Who special teams demon? You know, a lot of times these guys are the rookies, you know, that, that emerge, or maybe the second year players that come out of nowhere. Like I think about maybe a Makai Blackman or a Jay Ward, someone who probably won't play. A lot of defense in Ward, but has that that special team skill set and is definitely going to make the team. So let's go Ward. Let's go Jay Ward. Give him some love. I don't know if he sees many reps on defense, but that's exactly the kind of player that will fit on the Matt Daniels uh, side of things.
0: Really glad you brought him up. Uh, Almost went with him, but you know how much I I love Ivan Pace Jr. Been singing his praises since the minute they brought him in as a UDFA. So excited to see this guy in live actions with the pads on because I think he's got all the tools, he's got the skill set to be one of the better tackling defenders on this team. Once he can find his footing and get comfortable, get some reps underneath his belt, maybe that takes a full year. That's fine. He's a UDFA. There's no pressure. But in the meantime, if nothing else, I think you're going to see him ball out on special teams because he's one of the most natural and gifted tackling linebackers of this year's rookie class. And I know, uh, wait a minute, Luke, he's a UDFA. How can you say that? If he was four inches taller, he would have been a top 100 pick from all the tape that I watched. I think he's the eventual replacement for Jordan Hicks in 2024. But in the meantime, Ivan Pace Jr., He's my vote for special teams team. Matt Daniels, you're right. He's going to love that kid. Speaking of UDFAs, and maybe this one's a little redundant then, but who's the biggest UDFA contributor when the season is all said and done? What do you think?
1: Yeah, so it's a little recency bias because, you know, just saw – all the spring practices, mm-hmm. um, and I loved Ivan Pace too. Didn't see as much of him like on the field with the ones. He was kind of on the, the backups field with the, those third stringers most of the time. Um, Malik Knowles, our other favorite, was injured, so we didn't see him. So just based on who I saw the most of in the rotation, Andre Carter was worked in. And keep in mind, Daniel wasn't there, so they were down a pretty key edge rusher. But Andre Carter found his way. Uh, into the, the starting rotation just for a couple of series here and there. And uh, they seem to really like him. I thought he was going to look a little skinnier or, you know, a mm-hmm. little too light maybe to play as a rookie. I think his body is NFL ready. He's got the size requisite. Um, as long as he can kind of get used to the speed of the game, I think that Andre Carter could find his way in. And imagine if Deniel doesn't join this team, Luke, Think of the opportunity there for Andre Carter as well. So I'm going to I'm gonna give it to the Army kid.
0: Yeah, for me, it's a three-man race. Pace, Carter, and our crush Malik Knowles. Not going to lie, I'm a little worried. We haven't seen much from Knowles thus far. He's been out of action, standing on the sideline with that PCL injury. So still waiting for him to get healthy and back on the field. So Pace is probably my default here, but I will say this. You just tapped on it. If for some reason they can't get a deal done with Daniel Hunter and they decide to move on from him, which I think would be a huge mistake, but there's a lot of variables in that equation. But if he's not on the team and now you've lost your two starting edge rushers with him and Zadarius, then all of a sudden, not only do Wanham and Patrick Jones become vital parts of this puzzle, this 2023 season on the defensive side of the ball, but a guy like Andre Carter, who... Don't forget, they made the highest paid UDFA ever when they shelled out like 350 k guaranteed this year. He quickly becomes the third pass rusher if he can get up to speed and flash just a little bit during training camp and preseason. I mean, who's his only competition he's got to beat out? Luigi Villain? I mean, that's probably not much. So if that's the case, then between him and Ivan Pace, I think Carter becomes the UDFA darling just based solely off playing time alone. So... I mean, something to think about when it comes to the potential Daniel departure and the dominoes. I guess that would fall into place with a guy like Andre Carter stepping up in the pecking order like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sam, down to our final five here. Almost done. You're doing great, by the way. Here's an outside the box one. Mm-hmm. Most likely to get traded. Who you got?
1: See, this is this might be controversial. This is what happens when you throw outside the box. Um, stuff at me. If things go south, well, let, let's first of all pre- preface it with this. Maybe the Vikings just aren't in a very giving mood between now and the season. Maybe they try to delay things giving out Jefferson money. Maybe they delay things giving out, you know, they don't want to extend Daniel. Maybe they don't want to extend Hawkinson. And Hawkinson goes into a contract year. Maybe things go south. And they say to themselves, we've got this, you know, we we gave up a second for this asset. He's gotten better since joining us. Maybe there's a team that would, that's trying to get over the top that would give us, you know, a second plus or even a first for TJ Hawkinson. If the Vikings are two and five and really embracing kind of a teardown at that point, maybe it's Hawkinson. Um, but but even even before that, Yeah, probably overlooked the chances of Daniil getting traded even before that. So I'm kind of I'm kind of working this out um, in real time here, Luke. Yeah. But just just to go off the off the off the grid, I'll go Hawkinson at the deadline.
0: Here's how I just split this up mentally kind of into two categories in my brain. First is. If they trade someone before the season starts, kind of like they did with Jesse Davis last year, remember the guard went mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh, additional yeah. seventh round pick in 2029. I think you start by looking at their biggest depth. The most bodies they have is probably at defensive line in the trenches. I mean, we've talked about it before. There's no way they can keep all these guys like Jonathan Buller, James Link, Sheldon Day, Ross Blacklock, et cetera. I don't think they want to trade away Blacklock and just admit their mistake just like that. So... I would lean a guy like James Lynch as the guy that maybe you hope you can get a seventh round conditional pick. I mean, if somebody's desperate, I guess. Otherwise, it's kind of slim pickings. There's just not many other positions you feel good about trading depth away at. The other way I look at this is. If they were to trade someone mid-season before the deadline, like you mentioned, like let's just say the Vikings come out the gate super slow. All the one-score games go the wrong way this year. All of a sudden, they feel the need to start cleaning house. Maybe you could get a day three pick for a guy like Marcus Davenport. Just knowing he's only on a one-year rental deal anyways, but also just – Knowing he's got enough pedigree, he's got the skill set, former first-round pick, still pretty young, to warrant some playoff hopeful team that needs a pass rusher that Marcus Davenport could be useful. That feels like it would be a win-win for both sides. So James Lynch, preseason guy. Davenport, midseason guy, if the wheels were to fall off, as you mentioned. Uh, All right, next one. Most vital depth pieces on the offense and defensive side of the ball who's going to be huge contributors that aren't considered mm-hmm. starters as of now one offense one defense who you got
1: okay i would go josh oliver on offense i think that oliver will play about 35% of snaps despite not being a starter um on defense i will so they're going to rotate probably the most on the defensive line uh, who's going to ta- maybe Tonga. Mm. Let's go Tonga. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Kyrie's Tonga is going to be like the run stuffing extraordinaire who's going to come in and, you know, just absorb bodies because I love him. I love Tonga. I think Tonga is my, my defensive answer. Uh, you probably thought this through better than me. What do you got?
0: Well, I was going to say Metellus. Maybe that's too easy. Maybe he's almost considered a starter, I guess, at this point from what we've seen. I'm surprised I even haven't said Josh Metellus' name yet on this list. Clearly, they love the kid. They're super impressed with the versatility as a run defender, his ability to stop the pass. He's been the unsung hero of OTAs and minicamp defensively. And I think even with Bynum and scene, Josh Metellus has proven He's going to be a part of this equation in 2023 for Brian Flores' defense, probably in a lot of those three safety looks. Offensively, I mean, you can never go wrong with the hammer. C.J. Ham. always good for a few great third and fourth down conversions, a few goal line plunges, even catches a few passes through the air, keep defenses off balance. Maybe considered a starter, depending on what your definition is. I'm going to go with what you said, Josh Oliver. I think they really wanted this guy for a reason. They proved it by paying a tight end to a lot more money than I think anyone ever expected. We already know he's one of the better blocking tight ends in the league, but coming out of San Jose state, I've said it a hundred times. He was one of the more natural pass catchers of that entire tight end class. So clearly KOC has got some tricks up his sleeve with this kid. I fully expect to see a ton of two tight end sets, watching Oliver be a big depth piece in both the run and the pass game. Final two here Sam, here we go. Biggest first round need for the Vikings in the 2024 draft will be what? I know it's a long ways from now, but what position will fans be clamoring for in round 1 next offseason?
1: QB. It'll be QB. Not I mean nothing is going to change I don't think between now and then. Um, If Kirk Cousins is waiting till March to address his contract, that tells me a lot of what I need to know um, that there's not going to be an 11th hour extension that he needs to do something extraordinary to earn an extension from the Vikings next spring. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that I think the quarterback will remain the talk of the season The postseason, the offseason, that's all Vikings fans are going to focus on here for the next 10 months.
0: I think we all agree all these one-score games are not going to go the same way this year. They're going to revert back to the mean. And if that's the case, then maybe this is a team that's closer to the 500 mark than they are double-digit wins. And if that's the case... Then now you're sitting there in the middle teens in the draft order. You're coming off a disappointing, underwhelming season. You're starting quarterback, as you mentioned. He's a free agent. And oh, by the way, you're entering the best quarterback draft class we've seen in probably four or five, maybe even six years. So all the hype and talk is definitely going to be around the quarterback. I think if this team struggles, then buckle up for a long offseason where the discussion revolves heavily in entertaining, drafting a new quarterback for the future to let KOC groom. That unless. They just believe wholeheartedly in Jaron Hall for some reason. I mean, unless he shows something behind the scenes, behind the curtain that we just don't know about. But I'll say quarterback, and if not quarterback, then for sure defensive line has to be the next biggest priority. Yeah, Already in the trenches as far as starting talent goes. And then you've got Harrison Phillips entering free agency the year after. So keep an eye on that group as well. I think that's got to be option B. Last one here, Sam. Who's going to win the rookie of the year? Who's going to win the Rookie of the Year for this team? Who you got?
1: Six options. It's not going to be Jaron unless he unless Kirk gets hurt. Um, Makai, questionable whether he's in that rotation. I, I can't talk myself into anybody but Addison. It's, it's going to be Addison. Um, I think he'll have the chance to be the wide receiver, too. I don't think it's guaranteed. But even if he's the wide receiver three, if he's on the field, you know, he, he could easily get as many targets as KJ Osborne in those situations. So I think, I think he's the guy, Jordan Addison, knock on wood, he stays healthy.
0: I'll tell you what, if Jordan Addison isn't the rookie of the year, this team may be in a world of trouble. First of all, you mentioned it, only six guys to choose from, so the competition isn't stiff. On top of that, no second rounder, so clearly Addison is the guy they're counting on the most from. And if he isn't able to come in and make an instant impact somehow, some way, I think this offense could be... And for serious regression, just knowing K.J. Osborne, as much as we all love him, he isn't the prototypical wide receiver two that you want on the boundary. So Addison with the bullet for me, I think somewhere in that realm of 70 catches, 800 yards, five TDs, that's the type of production they need from him to keep this train moving. If they expect to beat teams 51-50 to this year and outscore everybody in these shootouts, they'll need Addison to show up and show out. But first... They just needed him to get out on the field, I think, and prove he can stay healthy. Quick sidebar, does that concern you at all, Sam, the early injuries? I know they're mild, very precautionary, but just given how small his frame is, do you have any concern now that you've seen him up close and personal, this guy can hold up in the NFL for a full 17 games?
1: I do have concerns. The history of small wide receivers in this league really isn't that good. You look back of players of equal size and and weight to Jordan Addison. It's not like an overwhelmingly good track record. Even Tyree Hill, which is kind of the glowing example of a successful small receiver in the league. He's always banged up and he's got an incredible ability to kind of bounce back from that and, and continue to be efficient and effective. But even someone like him is usually hurt um, in some capacity at some point in the season. So I do have concerns for Addison. I mean, I, I just watched Justin Jefferson take one of the biggest beatings of any receiver I've seen uh, last season and miraculously played every single week, every single game didn't miss any time. I don't think Jordan Addison can withstand that if he's getting a lot of, a lot of targets. So I do have concerns, Luke. That's why KJ Osborne so important. You talk about the beating JJ took and just how brutal and vicious and physical this
0: game is now they've added an extra game. So now there's 17 games It wouldn't surprise me if someday we're playing 18 games in the not-so-distant future, maybe within the next decade. Who knows? It's going to get to the point, Sam, where it's almost unrealistic, unless you're like a quarterback, a non-mobile quarterback that is, by the way, pure pocket guy, doesn't take a lot of hits, to expect guys to play a full 17-game slate or full maybe someday 18-game slate. Just given how vicious and violent this sport is, I think it's really unrealistic to expect guys to be able to last the gauntlet of a full season plus playoffs. That's really tough on these guys' body, man. That's really tough. All right, coming up, throwback Tuesday as we add our third player into Vikings, Mount Rushmore. But first, quick reminder, don't forget... We're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sportsbook, and official sportsbook partner of the MLB. Twins lose to the Braves last night, 4-1. to one. Game 2 tonight, first pitch, 6.20 p.m. Central Standard. Joe Ryan on the mound, you can check that one out on TBS. Current spread, Atlanta, minus 155. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the No Sweat First Bet. Up to $2,500 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app. Get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire MLB season. FanDuel.com slash lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of Lockdown. All right, Sam. Let's get into the fun one. My new favorite segment, week three now, Throwback Tuesday. Sam and I dig up the archives, highlight one special Vikings player that helped change the history and just the way we look at the Vikings franchise. And in doing so, we started our Vikings Mount Rushmore. I had the first pick. I went with Alan Page for not just what he did on the field, but the person, the human being he was off the field, all the amazing things and the way he impacted the community. You went with Randy Moss last week. Don't think a lot needs to be said about Randy. Mm -hmm. Now, this week, let's join forces. Let's agree on this third member. And then in week four coming up, we'll let the people decide. The fans listening at home, they can vote on the fourth and final member of the Vikings Mount Rushmore up on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube community page. How does that sound?
1: Sounds good, man. Um, I'm already nervous about the people that we're inevitably going to leave off this this. Mount Rushmore, and the people that are going to be upset. But let's go. Let's, we'll take your arrows. We'll take your pitchforks. Let's do it.
0: Okay, here's my pitch for the third member. And I think you described it best last week when kind of narrowing down this list. Because you're right. There's so many amazing Vikings Hall of Famers we could go through and make a case for. Randall McDaniel, Ron Yary, John Randall, Steve Hutch, Paul Krause, Dolman. Tons of them. list goes on and on. But the way you broke it down, I felt really encapsulated what we're looking for here, which was when you think about the four guys up on the Mount Rushmore, they're all guys who changed the way we look at America today, right? Somehow, some way, they had a lasting forever impact on our country and really changed the course, the direction of the way we live and how we look back on our past. So when I think of Page and Moss, they certainly changed the way the game was played. Last week, we talked about how Moss changed the way we view the wide receiver position completely. This week, my case for our third member, also a guy who I believe changed the way his position was played. Because before the the Michael Vicks, before the Lamar Jacksons, uh, the Randall Cunninghams and the Tony Romos, There was one guy who really bucked the trend of a pure pocket passer, used his legs to create plays outside the pocket like nobody ever did before him. Of course, you know I'm talking about Fran the Man Tarkington. Sam, you could make a case, Fran Tarkington is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in NFL history. He just doesn't get the love and recognition nationally like he probably should for all the things he did to the game. Obviously, we all know and love him here in Minnesota, but the impact he had on the quarterback position, he essentially gave birth to the idea of a mobile quarterback and what that could do to an offense, the fits that could give defenses, had really never been done before that. The stats are off the chart. People forget he retired As the leader, in complete passes with almost 3,700, 47,000 passing yards, and 342 touchdowns scored. All NFL records when he finally hung it up. Oh, he also held the record for most career wins when he retired as well. So add that to the list. Now, obviously, those have all been broken by now. But when we talk about critiquing players from each era in their own vacuum, when it came to that era, mid-60s to mid-70s football, Fran Tarkenton was the guy. He was the quarterback. Almost 4000 yards on the ground alone, 32 touchdowns rushing. That was absolutely unheard of at the time. It's funny, really kind of ticked off Norm Van Brocklin by the way, his coach, who apparently just hated every time he <laughs> bolted outside the pocket, but it led the team to its only four Super Bowls in franchise history. And all I'm saying is, was he the greatest quarterback of all time? No. But I think he's criminally underrated and forgotten when it comes to, again, the impact he had on the mobile quarterback. So next time you watch, you know, a guy like Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields, you got to throw up the salute to Fran the man because he changed the way we view the mobile quarterbacks. That's my vote for Rushmore member number three. My throwback Tuesday, flashback down memory lane, Fran Tarkadin. What do you think, though, Sam? I mean, do you have a rebuttal for a different guy? What do you think about Fran Tarkadin and the case for number three on our Rushmore?
1: It's tough for me to disagree with that. Um, I think that you got to have the team's most iconic quarterback on the mountain uh, when that's the most important position in football. He was one of the engines behind the team's best era, their Super Bowl run in the 70s. Um, And if you adjust it for era, Luke, he he was the best of his time statistically in a lot of ways. Um, And think about it, too. If you give him the full 16 game season, uh not don't even worry about 17. Wow. Just give him the full 16 games for his whole career. Wow. He probably plays another 30 games and he think of the stats that he would have then. Uh was he a little bit reckless? Like was he the original gunslinger? Yes, through a lot of picks. Did he sometimes get in trouble on those scrambles and lose 30 yards? Yes. He was a risk taker, but he was exciting, man, and Talk about making plays off schedule, the buzzword we always use around Kirk Cousins. That's what Fran did. Uh, I I know he had the little rendezvous with the New York Giants, Mm -hmm. which maybe that affects his candidacy. But if you look at overall approximate value, that's the the stat from Pro Football Reference that tries to boil down a player's career into one number. Uh, Fran Tarkenton, he's fifth all-time as a Viking behind... Carl Eller, Alan Page, Jim Marshall, Randall McDaniel, uh, and he actually tied with McDaniel for fourth. So, slot's right up there. I think the real challenge, Luke, is going to be next week where we have to kind of narrow down for this final spot, but you gotta have a quarterback on this mountain and he's the only one, he's the only one you would have, obviously, in Vikings lore. So, I'm with you. I, I support the pick. It's Fran, it's Moss, and it's Page. And uh, now, now the, the tough Tough, tough part begins
0: i was a little worried i didn't know if i was going to get a little pushback when you talked about randy moss last week you also brought up chris carter spoke glowingly of him i thought maybe you'd come to the table with a possible chris carter case but i love it agreed there we have it you mentioned it alan page randy moss now fran tarkenton those are our three members of vikings mount rushmore and now it all comes down to you the listener at home i'll put up a poll on the lockdown community page eventually be on the lookout for that get your vote in Who do you think should be the fourth and final member of Rushmore? And real quick, Sam, I think we should talk about AP because certainly a strong case Mm -hmm. could be made for him as a potential candidate, but I think we established at the beginning, we're only picking from Vikings hall of famers. And certainly, I mean, AP is going to be a member of that club eventually, but for now I think we got to keep him off the list. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, You know, if you get, too recent with some of these picks yeah um then yeah it does muddy the waters just a little bit so sometimes it's easier to evaluate these things from a thirty thousand foot view and i think we're still a little too close to ap like you said not not fully inducted yet either so i'm okay with that just to provide some parameters around it um you know we'll we'll look back into the past a little more for our fourth selection
0: so i'm just thinking about this on the fly how I want to post this poll because you only get four options up there. I guess I could type out a bunch of names, but maybe next week you and I just converse, go back and forth and we debate and settle on the final four options for the fans that we put up on YouTube. Does that make the most sense? I mean, that seems like the best and fairest way to play this out as far as just finalizing those four options that we can put up on the YouTube poll.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. I'll give you two. Maybe I'll take two and uh, we'll try to get the the fairest four um, possible. And I think that's going to be tough. I'm looking at the list right now, man. How do we do this, Luke?
0: It's going to be an absolute grind an absolute gauntlet. Again, there is so many amazing, big named, marquee, elite Vikings Hall of Famers to choose from. We're going to be sweating bullets, man. We may take some arrows from the fans listening at home. But again, next week. We'll rally that down, chop it down to our last four. And then the day after we post that show, then you can look out for that YouTube poll up on the Lockdown Sports Community page. All right, Sam. Uh, great stuff, per usual. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, write, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party, your one stop shop breakdown everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast too. It's free, it's available on all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku and Amazon Firestick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Football Party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Hey, we're back tomorrow with the Mailbag Edition with Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out.
1: Hey, Prime Members.